Welcome to the reunion episode of Demol Belgi Greece Recaps from Reality TV Warriors, where everyone wins except for the listeners. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who so many people called a smear lap on Twitter that he had to actually start blocking people, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon, and I really hope I really hope you put in the time to translate a good chunk of this dialogue this episode. Oh, I really did. Do you know what smear lap is? No. It is bastard. Who got called a smear lap? Uh, Bart got called a smear lap on uh, on Twitter, apparently. So that's why he isn't on social media. Yeah, he just got such relentless trolling that he decided to just get rid of his Facebook, get rid of his Twitter, get rid of his Instagram, and uh, and just let his family deal with it. Is that what he actually said in the episode? No, but that's the implication. He's the only person in the cast who doesn't have an Instagram. He's, I think, the only person in the cast who doesn't have a Facebook, or at least doesn't have a Facebook that's joined the Mullen group. I'm kind of assuming it's something to do with the fact that people really didn't like him on social media. Not us, though, which is all that matters. You know, we should reach out to Papa Bear and say, hey, you know how big of Bart fans we are. We would love to have him on our podcast. <laughs> Just try and, get, uh, try and get him to hook some brothers up. Yeah. So, this is our final live episode for a little while, sadly, with Amazing Race being cancelled, and I'm saying the word cancelled rather than postponed, it's cancelled, with Amazing Race being cancelled, um, I don't think we've got any live episodes until Vista Mall 21 now. And that's supposed to air in the fall, hopefully, but we don't know because of COVID, with how they're going to do their airing schedule. First week of September is the rumour. That's the the rumour I'm assuming things based upon. Well, The Amazing Race 32 was supposed to air on TV last September, and then it was supposed to air on TV on May 20th on a month's notice, and then they changed it on three weeks' notice. So I have a tough time really believing any rumoured schedule. <laughs> yeah. And the good news for any listeners is that this is going to be a reasonably short episode in theory because I've got about one and a half pages of notes on um, on the reunion. I usually have about three pages on a normal episode. Then we're going to do the uh, the season wrap up, and then we have an announcement or two to make. So it should be a reasonably rapid fire podcast this week. Yeah, especially when it's very very dialogue heavy and. I unfortunately my work schedule is too demanding to feed everything into a translator and I've only just started to read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in Flemish. So, we open as with the premiere in Vilvorde. However, this time it was only a week ago. Everyone enters the same room that they had their first meeting with the mole behind the glass. This time, each person watches the finale on the screen that they saw tick up with money before Alina reveals herself. Before she reveals herself? Is this the start of her OnlyFans page? <laughs> yeah, she just t- starts taking the robe off, and uh, and that's the first picture on her OnlyFans page. <laughs> the really worrying thing for us is the fact that that is the second time in two days that we've referenced that website, and you'll find out what the other one is by the end of this podcast. <laughs> so, Doreen, Law, Salim, and Bruno think that Alina is the mole. Christine and Nels think it's Bart. And Jill thinks that Alina won, Yolene is the mole, and Bart lost. Well, one out of three ain't bad. You think if you were the first one out, you'd have a slightly better chance. Because then you know you were really wrong with who you suspected. 
Yeah, but the thing is, if you were the first book, you'd probably be watching all the hidden clues online and trying to work it out for yourself so you don't look like a complete numpty in the reunion episode. Or I would. <laughs> just call out production and be like, can you please just tell me who it is? I don't want to face further humiliation. I don't want to be called a smear lap. When name brothers, please help me. Please help me, Gilles de Costa. <laughs> and when Yolene wins, Jill is shocked. Is it Jolene or Yolene? I thought it's Jolene. No, it's Yolene, as is how they pronounced it in this reunion, and I was very careful with that this week. <laughs> yeah, we really didn't have much in the way of Jill content, because he obviously went home in the premiere, but I'd forgotten how good his reacting to everything was. Like, his reacting to Bart taking 10,200 euros out of the pot to begin with, hilarious. His reaction to uh, to Yolene winning, hilarious. We missed a real streak with him going home early. Yeah. Which is why I think production gave him a bit more airtime in the, in his only episode. I think he got more airtime than most, most uh, first boots. Hmm. Do you think that they were always going to do the reveal this way? No. I don't think so. I think this was the best. They realized. I think they were. I don't think they would have done it. No, I don't think they would have done it this way. Because it's a really clever way of doing it in a time of social distancing where they can at least guarantee there's a couple of panes of glass between people and therefore they're not spreading it in case anyone is infected. But it really ties into the rest of the season. So I'm wondering whether they were already planning on doing it and it just kind of worked out nicely with the whole coronavirus lockdown thing, or whether it was just a a last-minute decision and they made it work out? I think it's just production being clever with adapting to the current scenario, just because it's one by one that they all had to find out. It just seems like it would take a lot. It probably took like a full day to get everyone in and out individually for the reveal. Yeah, and did uh, Alina have to stay behind the glass watching them watching the finale all day as well? Because it certainly appeared so. I guess if I was her, it wouldn't be the most boring thing in the world to do. Yeah, but she had to watch the um, the finale, what, seven times? And and then watch it again with her mum? She'd be really bored of it by that point, you'd assume. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm all, it's all news. <laughs> I'm getting, maybe she just had to be elsewhere for like 45, it's like, well, because that would be what, that'd be like a full, tw- maybe they split it over a couple days, I guess? So I'm trying to think how long that would take. So seven people watching the finale, that's at least seven hours. And then you got to reset in between each person. And you've got to do the preamble with all of them as well. I'm guessing that would have taken a good two days to do that. Yeah, because the original meetings took two days, they said, in this episode. Yeah, so I'd assume, yeah, it would probably be two days to get through all seven people. And Christine says that he's shocked that he lasted that long, and Alina replies that she has no idea how he lasted that long either. <laughs> yeah. Because he was never onto Alina. That's the thing. And he made it to Final Four. Yeah, there were only two people in this season who were actually onto Alina, and they were the final two with her. And one of them wasn't even onto Alina until it was essentially decided for him at the end of the game. We'll get into this, but I, I would argue only one person was truly onto Alina from start to finish. And Jill starts a Zoom call with everyone else, and yes, even Bart managed to uh, to work the technology. Unlike Law, who forgets to turn her camera on. <laughs> and we find out that Alina said yes very quickly to becoming the mole, and the initial interrogations were filmed over five days, 
Bart, accompanied by the theme from Jaws, actually let the timer run out and then tick back down. And he was testing the limit. It was €15,000 for the first exemption. Oh, it actually ticks back down to 10200 Yeah, so it started, it's ticked up normally, which is what we saw in the episode. And then um, when it got to 15000 it started ticking back down at double speed. And then Bart stops it at 10200 Oh, so they left that part out. Yeah, because they didn't really want to show Bart testing the limit of the challenge in episode one, I would assume. Oh, because I make him such an obvious contestant. Yeah. They gave us the necessary information of him taking 10,200 euros out of the pot and didn't want us to exclude him as a mole already. Which failed because we did because of that. What shocked me is how many people thought Bart was the mole. Yeah, I thought that. Bart was really, really suspected for, for someone who we discounted pretty much within about 10 minutes of watching the first episode. Yeah. It's one of those cases where everyone else had the tunnel busy and I didn't. So it's a really weird situation for me to be in. Yeah. Was it was it the 10,200 euros that made them think, yeah, he's the mole? Or they're thinking, oh, maybe that's such a big... That's too much of an attempt to try and look like a contestant. They're using reverse psychology on us. I think it was more his general demeanour and his attitude when everyone had a go at him for taking 10,200 euros out of the pot. But yeah, it's still very, very surprising to see what half the players... Half the players put him as their mole until they were executed? Yeah, it was more than half the players. And two of them actually still thought Bart was the mole in the end. Oh yeah, Christian Christian made the final four thinking Bart was the mole. So at the step challenge, Bruno went to the toilet and Alina got to have a nice chat with Jill about how well she was doing. And in the train challenge, they all did their confessionals in a cabin, but the artwork behind them when they were filming their confessionals actually hid the information for Alina of which suitcase contained which amount of money. In the Minotaur Forest, she convinced them that she had a low heart rate naturally, got out of their sight, and then tried to burn through her allocation quickly. And when she is eventually caught by the Minotaur, she uh, describes him as fucking creepy. <laughs> and she put in no effort at the calorie challenge whatsoever, and as expected got a tip off at the skydive challenge as to whether they'd picked Passfragen or not. And when she knew they'd picked the Passfragen, she could play like a candidate and try and uh, avoid any suspicions. And then we get an unrepentant Bart, who said that he got called a Smirloff on Twitter. It's a game, not Monopoly, for real money. <laughs> Hot for dumber. What's funny is that there are Monopoly championships where you do play for lots of real money. Yeah. Haven't there been Monopoly game shows as well? There's been Monopoly game shows? I think so, yeah. Let me look this up on YouTube. I might YouTube. be wrong on that. Let's see. Who would watch that? I don't know. Old people watch a lot of shit. Yeah, but it's not like a half-hour thing of prices right with multiple contestants. These would be like several-hour games. Monopoly game show. 1990? TV game show Monopoly from 1990. Huh. Look at me with my knowledge. Monopoly Mil- Millionaires Club? That's probably the one I was thinking of. Oh yeah, I think this is totally, yeah, it's from a few years ago. Yeah, it's just a gigantic Monopoly board that's, uh, how would they adapt it? This would take so long to film in the studio, because they make a big production out of it each time they move. Huh. And something I had uh, forgotten to mention earlier in the episode is the fact that they began with over 14,000 applications, and from that 200 were interviewed, they selected nine, and also Alina as the mole. And in the car challenge with the loved ones, Alina's mum took a toilet break. This is becoming a recurring theme for uh, Alina. So she got briefed in that time as to the best speed to go to, 
in order to make sure that they lost all the money that she was carrying. And there were, of course, hidden clues. And I'm really irritated about the first one because we actually slightly twigged it and had a rather large conversation about this one. They played a version of The Sound of Silence, which I described in episode one as a particularly badass version of uh, The Sound of Silence. And it referred to Alina being the only one not to speak in the opening scene. Pandora's box only opening between 4am and 6am was a hint to the mole's name being put between 4 and 6 on the reveal order in the cards when when Jill pulled them out at the end of the episode, because hers was the fifth one that came out. The first letter of the first word that Jill spoke in each episode spelt out Ismanik, which is the Russian word for betrayer, which is a clue very similar to something they did with uh, the Mexico season, Arg. And the other main one is that everyone's skydive had a reverse section, and we heard Alina shout something backwards. And if you flip it back, it says, Ik ben de mol. I like how she'd have to focus on saying that when jumping out of the plane. I think by that point she'd got remarkably cocky as a mole. Most of them do by about halfway through the season, but Alina got really, really cocky to try and sort of sneak these things past people at this point in the season. <laughs> Well, I remember the one one episode where they're doing the Never Have I Ever game, and Lena just outright said to Christian when everyone else was in the bathroom, hey, I'm the mole, and Christian just laughed and said, that's a hilarious joke, it's obviously Bart, why else would I make it this far into the game? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a, real, you're a real knee slapper, Lena. And in the firework elimination, the one major mystery of the season left, we knew that it was either Bart or Christian who got the red screen, and Alina didn't know who it was so she could play like a contestant. And it turns out that it was Bart. He'd filled his first 15 questions in on Christian, and the five questions that he put on Alina at the end of the challenge actually saved him, and put him on the right track for the rest of the season. And did the first exemption save him? I was trying to figure out if that's what they said. Well, he didn't take the um, the test. In the first episode, because um, Belgium doesn't do that. Oh. If you get an exemption, you don't take the test at all, because there's no such thing as a black exemption. Who did, uh, then who did Jill suspect? Well, we're going to get to that next, because we actually found out everyone's suspicions as they went home. Jill's first suspicion was Bart, and he actually scored a huge 0 out of 20 on the first test. Bruno suspected Law, but everyone who suspected him that week was saved by the fact that he was paired with the mole on the Vredato Steps challenge. Jolene first suspected Alina in episode 3, and Bart and Christian were only saved in that episode by Else being in a tunnel for Salim. Bart's past Fragen saved him in episode 4, as Law splits on Salim and Bart. Salim's spread over everyone in episode 5 cost him, because Bart managed to overtake him by actually getting 5 questions right on Alina. And Bart ensured that Alina didn't run in the pentathlon now that he was on her, which was our first suspicion of when he actually uh, suspected her, if you remember. We actually did call that in episode 6, the fact that Bart was going, no, Alina, you're sabotaging, sod off. And uh, Alina says she actually had surgery on her ankle after returning. Doreen went home suspecting Bart. And at the final four, Bart tried to convince Jolene on the um, on the hike that Christian was the mole, but her exemption stopped that plan coming to fruition. Christian went home suspecting Bart. And in the final test, Bart scored 27 of 30, but Jolene was faultless and got 30 out of 30 for the first time ever. Do you think she would have... Put a Christian as her mole at Final Four? No, I don't think Bart could uh, convince anyone to do anything by that point in the season, but we never know. That's the thing. It was heavily implied in the episode that if Jolene hadn't had the uh, the exemption, she might have gone home, but 
knowing what we know now, I suspect that that was probably a little bit of um, a little bit of fake editing. I would think so because why would you change your suspect that you because Jolene was on to or Yolene was on to Alina from the first episode, third, third, yeah, third episode is what they said in in the, in the recap. So to have that be your prime suspect from episode three. I can't really think of a time where somebody changes their mind at Final Four. No. Unless their suspect goes home. But if your suspect is still in the game at Final Four, there's just no real logic to switching at that point. No, it's incredibly impressive as well that she scored 30 out of 30. No winner has ever scored 30, from what uh, Gilles was saying in this episode. I think even in the 20 years of Vidim, the highest score we saw actually happened this year with Buddy... uh, only missing one question out of 40 or 50. Can't remember how many they do in Venom. False years, I think. Yeah. So it's the first perfect score I know of. Yeah, Jolene is incredibly impressive. And hats off to her for um, for managing to get a perfect score and being by far the first person to unmask Alina. Yeah, because you could say, well, Bart unmasked her too, but Bart needed a lot. We know for sure he was saved twice if not potentially three times during the season but thank the lord that bart was saved because bart was as i said on um, on facebook earlier bart was probably the biggest reason why this season was so good never have we ever seen anyone like bart on the mole and i think this reunion episode makes it just perfectly fits with this personality all season the fact that he's able to stumble his way into final three as the luckiest contestant ever, I would say. The only way that it would have worked out with even more luck is if Christian got the exemption at final four and Yolene just ended up putting a couple of questions onto Christian and went home. Yeah, can you imagine how um, how devastated I would have been if Bart had gone home in episode five? I would have been distraught knowing what we know about him now. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, he could have gone home in episode one. Well, it would have come down to time because Jill ended up um, getting a perfect zero on that first quiz. So we we have one qu- we have one contestant who ended the season with a perfect score for the first time. Is this the first time they've ever said that somebody has scored zero on a quiz? I can't remember them ever pointing out that someone had scored zero on a quiz, and I'm assuming it was to. Um, to then finish this section with, oh, by the way, Jolene was faultless. But it's kind of a kicking while he's down situation with Jill, I would say. Yeah, be like, you were first one out, but not only were you first one out, but you stood no chance in this game. And as is now traditional, Jill asks what she's going to do with the prize money, and we get the traditional answer now, which is, I'm going to do something with everyone else when we can actually, you know, see each other again. So she says she's going to take everyone on a weekend camping and then a fun weekend with all of the trimmings. And the final three are also all going to go to the Jane, which is in Antwerp. And I'm not entirely convinced that that isn't the uh, code name of Bart's usual masseuse. <laughs> what is that place, really? It's a posh restaurant. Oh, so they got free advertising. I didn't look at the menu before you asked me any more questions about it. I just looked to actually make sure it's a restaurant, as I assumed. He spent like an hour before this episode looking up everything about the Jane. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it was a restaurant rather than the seedy bit of Antwerp that uh, Bart might frequent. Yeah. <laughs> and 
in my favourite sight gag, probably of the entire season, they played the behind-the-scenes clip over the credits, and I'm really devastated we couldn't include some of these as uh, as our banner this week, but I just couldn't get a good enough quality version of it. But they did give special thanks to the Minotaur, and also Alina, as is now traditional. And something very interesting that I found out a couple of days ago that I don't think you know yet is the fact that, as we did mention last week, they opened applications for 2021 after the finale last week. This year, because of, you know, the lockdown and everything, they put a cap on it at 5,000 applications, bearing in mind that 14,000 people applied last year for this year's season. They had to extend the cap because 30,000 people tried to apply overnight. 30,000 applied for the next season? Already? 30,000 people tried to apply for the season. They extended the cap to 10,000, and it was 30,000 people overnight after the finale aired. So how do you determine which 20,000 gets weeded out? It's just the first 10,000 to get there from what I... uh, from what I understood, I'm sure someone will say, nope, you're wrong, but from the the press release I saw, it's just basically the first 10,000 to get there, get the chance. So that's why this show's not going off the air anytime soon. Yeah, when you find out things like that, you you realise that, yeah, maybe there's a good reason why they're not having a year off next year. That's insane. Because I'm thinking about, like, with American Survivor, you have a country of nearly 400 million people, and I think they only end up with, like, a couple thousand or a few thousand people who apply, if I'm not mistaken now. Yeah, bearing in mind that the last quiz show I did, The Chase, um, it's by far the most popular quiz show in the UK. So many people apply to it. And when I was in the contestant pool for it, before I actually got an episode to film, there was 100,000 people who'd got through the auditions of that. And that was in the last 15 months of applications. 100,000 people had got through the um, got through the interviews. So say 150,000 people had applied in the last 15 months, because it lapses after about 15 months. That's still a massive proportion of those overnight that applied for this show. Yeah, that's, that's enormous. Just think if it's 150,000 over 15 months, and here we have 30,000 in, a, what, a couple days? Yeah, it was 30,000 overnight tried to. Overnight, one night. One night, 30,000 in... For the chase, I'm going to guess, what, probably a couple thousand would do it on the first night? A few thousand? Yeah, something like that. It's been going for years, so it's kind of a rolling process, but yeah, something like that. And just think of the percentage of population, too, when you compare the UK to Belgium as well. Because what's UK's population like? 65, 70 million, something like that. And then Belgium's, what? Or Flanders. It's not Belgium, it's... It's just Flanders, yeah, so, like, five million? Not even? So, because I forgot to do it at the start of the episode, we do have a couple of final corrections to do. So in the uh, the Money Time Challenge, only the money that was spent by Bart and Yolene um, could actually be taken out of the pot. Nothing Alina did would actually take money out of the pot. It was only she had to match it in order to make sure that money wasn't taken out of the pot. Oh, okay. And I have also been uh, been reliably informed that um, they were only allowed to buy consumable goods in that challenge as well. They couldn't buy any souvenirs. So our jokey suggestion of them going all Macklemore and going to the thrift shop would have probably have been against the rules in that challenge. Yeah, something that they actually yeah, had to be, like, you had to use. And we do have a couple of final questions before we go into our 
big announcement that I've been teasing for far too long and people are going to be distinctly underwhelmed probably by the end of this. So Peggy asked whether we agree that uh, with basically only Jolene figuring out who the mole was and Bart only after he should have been eliminated twice, that Alina is the best mole. I would say that Alina is a very, very good mole. To quote Gilles de Costa last week when he emailed me, Alina is a fucking good mole. But I would say that every Belgian mole is really, really good. That's the thing. They are so good at picking these moles and me getting to the reunion and going, oh, those sneaky little bastards. I will say that, however, when you compare it to the other seasons, you think with with uh, Peacher specifically in the Mexico season, everyone was on to him by what, Final Five, Final Six. Everyone was on to him. Minus the whispering, psyching somebody out. I don't think Pascal was. I don't think Pascal went home suspecting Peter. Was she the one who got tricked by the whistling? She was the one who won the whistling challenge. I thought she was onto Peter and the whistling made her go over to somebody else. I thought that was the big thing. I can't remember. I know she went home not suspecting him. Yeah. I thought I thought it was just that the whisp when she won the whispering or the whistling, she's like, Oh, that doesn't sound like Peter whistling and then she changed her mind. I just I just or well I guess we don't have to get into that specifically, but I thought like lots of people were onto Peter in the Mexico season. Yeah, he was probably the most suspected of all the moles. But even Peter's sabotages were like, oh, you sneaky little smell up. How did I not spot that? <laughs> and then Elizabeth, I mean, she had, uh, she did have Axel and Bass onto her fairly about what, right around the halfway point with the water, with the the cabin challenge or the boat challenge. So that's still, that's two people that were onto her then, uh, well before the end of the game. And then here we've got somebody who really only had one person suspect them and it didn't start till episode three. And then to be completely undetected, except for a guy who was given at least two chances, if not three, <laughs> to try and figure it out. That's a lot of freebies. <laughs> it's only one more than Bertrand. Oh, Bertrand. If only. <laughs> if Bertrand was in the season, he would have been saved all three times and still, like, guess that Bart was the mole if he was in the final three. I mean, mentioning Bertrand's name three times summons him, surely. I hear I hear I hear the first two times you think he's gonna be summoned, but it's like, no, you need that third time and then maybe he'll finally figure out how to be summoned. <laughs> so what did you think about the season as a whole, then? Let's eulogize this season. It made me think about something that's a flaw with Survivor and Amazing Race in some seasons, because I was mess- messaging you about this last night. We don't, like, in Survivor, you have seasons where one contestant completely dominates start to finish, and the audience knows that player is going to win sometimes we know who's going to win at about halfway through. It's like, well, this person played control. Uh, they have the idols. They have all these other advantages. They're going to, they're, they're just really with it in terms of the game. They're definitely going to win uh, come the finale date and you'll be in on it for months. And then with amazing race, you'll have the same team win, say six or seven out of the 12 legs. So once finale time comes, you're thinking, well, that team's probably going to win the whole thing, and a good chunk of the time, you'll be right. 
with the mole, we have somebody. This was probably the most dominant performance by a single player all season in terms of just no one coming close to competing with them and then absolutely destroying the finale as well with a perfect score. The thing is, as the audience, we don't know that the person is dominating. We don't know until after it's it's all said and done where they say, hey, by the way, this act- this season wasn't even close in terms of who was going to win this game. We don't we don't get to know that information until after the reveal has happened, after it's all said and done. It's like going to a basketball game and then you only get to see like half of the plays and half of the points being scored. And you think, oh, it's, we, we've seen it like 60 points for each team. And then at the end of it, they reveal the score and say, actually, this team's got 120 points and the other team got 60 points because you missed two of the four quarters. Yeah, this show is, and I've said this so many times, the best thing on TV anywhere. They just absolutely get it and got it from minute one, and they've continued that for five straight years now. And it is glorious to be able to watch it and talk about it, and it's genuinely the highlight of our years. But this season was a weird one for us because obviously we only got the first two episodes subtitled, and then after that we've been kind of stumbling through. And it's been a testament to the people who tweet us every week. Just I can tell there is a bit of a sigh before some of them just going, how did you guys not work this out? But it's made a bit of a different situation for us in terms of recapping it. I'm very pleased that we've managed to stumble our way through it and enjoy the season as much as we have done. Alina was such a great mole. And the best moles, I would say fall into Alina's category here of you don't appreciate how good a mole they are until you watch the reunion and go oh that is really sneaky how did I not spot that because there were certain clues that were revealed this time where I went oh my god I was so close to spotting that and actually twigging it and I love it I love being able to watch this show and be constantly surprised no matter what happens it's it's just a glorious experience what's been interesting is to see this in Vidim this year where we have you know, despite people watching all, or the contestants having watched all these seasons, or in the case of it, I mean, you have like 20 seasons uh, out there for the watch. And both Belgian Mole and Vidim picked a mole that just nobody was able to figure out except for like one person in the cast. Or in the case of Vidim, no one figured out who the mole was until the final episode. You could argue that it's funny that in the year where Alina seems like the best mole ever and possibly a record for being the most undetected, that she's only eclipsed by the Vidim guy, (laughs) who no one figured out until the very final episode. Yeah. And it's, it's also weird for us because it's one of those situations where we are finishing a Belgian season and knowing that there is more to come this year in terms of Vidim 21. And German mole. Yeah, and German Mole as well. I, I'd kind of forgotten that by the time this comes out, I'll probably have watched the first episode of German Mole, which from the trailer looks really good and it's basically the best bits of uh, of the Belgian seasons. But I feel like we have a big gap coming up and it's only right that we don't let the Mole lapse because the Mole isn't going underground for us. The big announcement that we've had to make, I guess it's time to announce it because... Over the past few weeks, Logan and I have been recording some things. A lot of things. 
<laughs> a lot of things. In fact, eight things. And from July 9th, you will be able to listen to a whole new season of Mole. And a whole new Belgian season of Mole. Because we realised when we did episode 300, if you cast your mind back to the heady times of February before all this nonsense with coronavirus started, to celebrate episode 300, we did a mock award show. And one of the categories that really kind of stuck in my mind was the best show we never covered. And it was a slam dunk for the winner, let's be honest. If you if you remember what the winner was, you'll probably be able to guess what I'm about to announce here. But the winner ended up being a tie between Demol Belgi Argentina and Demol Belgi South Africa. So we thought about it. We realised that we have loads of time. We're doing fuck all else right now. I quit one of my two jobs a month, a month and a half ago. Yeah, Logan quit one of his two jobs to do this. This is how committed he is to this idea already. He quit <laughs> yeah, one of his just, jobs. Just for this. Just for this. I went from 80 hours a week down to 50 hours a week of work. Just for this. So, from July 9th, you will be able to hear one episode every week of the Argentinian season of Demol Belgi. Then we will take a gap for, um, for Vidum 21. And then we will come back at the end of the year for Demol Belgi South Africa. And I cannot wait to start making Davy jokes. It's going to be wonderful. And we may have some more... Uh, we're working on some more goodies for the Mall Argentina. Yeah. We're not announcing anything else yet, because it is not confirmed in the slightest. But it may not be the only thing we do with Demol Belgi Argentina. And that is an actual teaser I can't answer yet. And I'm not going to be teasing anything more about that for a while. So, with Amazing Race 32 being cancelled... Or very, very heavily postponed. <laughs> yeah, we are going to be leaving you for a little while after uh, after this episode, but keep an eye on our social media feeds. We will be back probably before July 9th, but unconfirmed right now. If we're not back before July 9th, then from July 9th, every Thursday evening up until up until the last week of August, um, you will hear a Demol Belgi Argentina recap. And if you've never seen this season, strap in, because... It is a wild ride. You have never met a cast quite like the Argentinian one. They are bonkers. I forgot how intense this cast is until we started, when I actually sat down and rewatched, because it's, I don't know if it's just me having a slightly older older brain now, or just there's just been too much reality TV and too many things going on in my life the past few years for me to like cement the memories of recent reality shows. But I, I completely forgot some of the moments and the intensity and noticing even the difference in editing between the Argentina season and what they do with the Mole Belgi now. Yeah, you'll hear me say this phrase a lot, but I had forgotten how nuts these people were. There are probably five or six characters in that season where you have never seen anyone like them before and you will never see anyone like them again. They are bonkers. <laughs> And we got a we got a paint bomb to start out. That's the first episode we get to talk about is somebody being threatened by a paint bomb. Yeah, that paint bomb, and the entire second episode, and the entire third episode, and the entire fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh episodes are just insane. It is an absolute murderous row of characters and an absolute murderous row of. Uh, of challenges, and I hope that we do it justice because it's such a fun season. And I think South Africa is better. That's the thing. We've not recorded South Africa yet, but I think South Africa is a better season than Argentina. 
and I can't wait for us to talk about that one. Yeah, I think the one, I feel like we're almost recapping the last Argentina episode, but the one contrast between Argentina and South Africa is with Argentina, the cast is more memorable. With the South Africa season, the challenges are more memorable. And I will leave you with four words that will mean something by the uh, the end of, of August, and that is sleeping bag Ava Perone. <laughs> and it's sleeping bag comma Ava Perone. Or semicolon. Yeah. If you've seen the season, you'll probably know what we're referring to. If you haven't, please watch it along with us, because it is so much fun. And I'm out of things to say about Greece now. It's been a wonderful experience covering this over the past eight weeks. And now, just like the mole, we're hibernating for a little while. Yeah, we're, all, we're hibernating two feet from our computer because of COVID. We're hibernating a safe distance from each other. That's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be weird to listen back to these, potentially listen back to these podcasts or know what things were like after uh, COVID is over and done with. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a time capsule. I can promise you that there are no references to COVID, I think, in the Argentina season. I think there might be one, actually. But I, there are no references explicitly that I can remember that are actually uh, to do with the coronavirus pandemic. So if you want an escape from, from all that nonsense, just wait about, I don't know, 10 weeks and you'll get one. Yeah, Nine weeks it is, actually. It's not 10. I've already saved one week for you. <laughs> so... Thank you for listening to our final Demol Belgi Greece recap of the season. As we said, we will be back on July 9th to begin the hunt for the Argentinian mole. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I am MJ Helmstone. See you then. Peace out and just chill until the next of flavorings. Till the next season. <laughs> Saison. <laughs>